Okay, let's turn to Ephesians. All right, okay. Let's welcome our other campus, Ventura, to our session today, this morning. Ventura, what's happening? Okay, um, we've been doing this every week, and it's really, really wise. In the season that we're in, as God has set aside this particular series of spiritual warfare, the armor of God... Uh, that we continue to read over it. Uh, as you read over it, it should be something that you pray over in the evening um, as the Lord has been wonderful in meeting us through this scripture for this season. If you haven't got the whole series, I would highly suggest that you go online and get uh, the rest of the series on spiritual warfare. Paul begins the text Ephesians 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith which is with you And you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we're asking that you would give us the right mind, heart, and soul to receive all that you have for us. We would see the importance of prayer, praying always, praying without ceasing. I pray as your sons and daughters that you would gather us in close to hear what you have to say as our Heavenly Father, that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is wanting to say in this season. We're trusting you. Our hope is in you. Ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen, amen. amen. Well, as we've been going through the spiritual battle, uh, this text of the armor of God has been really, in my opinion, um, very strategic in the season that we're in as a body of believers. And as we've been talking about the armor of God, I love that, that Britt made a distinction that this is not uh, magical uh, instruments that we put on. It's not like you put on a Power Ranger suit and all of a sudden you got these incredible skills. 
No. The armor of God is something that we need to believe in and something that we need to obey, is what has been said. Last week, when we talked about wielding the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, this is something that we need to believe and it's something that we need to obey. Amen? Not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. It's important that we get that. And prayer, as we look at this morning, is critical because every piece of armor is useless without prayer. I like what one author said, prayer is like oil. Just as every part of an engine is useless without oil, So every part of the Christian warfare is vain without prayer. Fighting Satan without prayer is like David fighting Goliath in Saul's armor. The armor doesn't fit, and it is ineffective against the blows of the enemy. You see, friends, prayer, too, is something that we need to believe, and it's something to obey. As believers, not only do we need to know and believe in the importance of prayer, but we need to obey in being children who pray. If you call yourself a Christian, you have to see the importance of prayer in your life. It's essential. Because what is prayer? Prayer at its core is communication with God, talking to God. I like what Charles Spurgeon says. He said, um, prayer is the breathing in of the air of heaven. And praise is the breathing of it out again. Just as our bodies need air to survive, we would die without air. So too our relationship with Christ will suffer and have effect without communication. Communication is key to any relationship. And you and I have been called into a wonderful, eternal relationship through Christ Jesus. Amen? We were lost, now we're found. Found for what? For the purpose of a relationship with our creator. And a relationship, any relationship without communication, is going to have difficulties. There's no marriage that exists when there's broken communication. If you're married, you know communication is key to your marriage. Imagine that if the only communication you had was on the day of your wedding. That's the day you exchange communication, and then the day after that, no. No communication, sparse communication. That's how some Christians live their life. They, may, they, they had a prayer to enter into a, a relationship with Christ, but then outside of that, it's been sparse here and there. That that is not what God called us into. He called us into a relationship that requires dialogue. Continual communication is necessary for our fruitfulness and effectiveness and healthiness. Just as it is for any relationship, whether it be marriage or just BFFs, you have to have communication. To have a healthy relationship. In our text today, spiritual warfare makes the point more clear. Prayer is vital. It is paramount in spiritual battle. 
as God's children, as his warriors, as soldiers, prayer and communication with God is vital. In our context this morning, imagine a soldier in a battle with no communication with his commander. It's, it, it would be tragedy for that soldier. No, see, a soldier needs his orders and he needs constant communication with the headquarters or with his commander. And one of the key tactics to an enemy is to wipe out all means of communication. Satan wants to isolate you and minimize your communication with Christ to the point where you don't see the importance of prayer or you've stopped believing in prayer altogether. He wants to isolate you. Why? Because what that does is it makes you ineffective. A soldier without communication with headquarters can be in great danger. A soldier needs to know that there's, you're in enemy territory or, hey, we're coming in and we're going to wipe out that zone. You got to move. I remember as a kid, I loved playing with army men. You guys remember little army men? I don't see those a lot today. I love playing with army men. One of the army men that I did not like was the guy who was like this with a radio. When you were with your buddies, you'd be like, okay, I want the guy with the bazooka. I want the guy with the 50 cal. I want the guy with this and the radio guy. Here, you have the radio guy. Because as a little kid, you're like, radio guy? What? What's over bazooka guy? No, I don't want radio guy. You have radio guy. Radio guy always got lost in between the cushions because nobody wanted him. Because as a little kid, you don't understand the importance of communication with the commander. Maybe it's because at, the, at that point, you're the commander. You're playing with the army. and Who needs the radio guy? But friends, we as God's people need to stay in constant communication with our commander. It's vital It's vital and it's a key component to who we are is being a people who pray, who constantly stay in communication. Jesus was the best example of a life of prayer. There's no doubt as you read the Gospels and you look at the life of Christ, you see prayer as a key component And the cool thing is, is we're just going to look at a couple of snippets of the life of Christ and see the different ways that he prayed. But one of them was just this idea that he, he prayed constantly. It's found in John 5, 3, uh, excuse me, John 5, 30, where Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own, nothing on my own, but as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father who has sent me. Throughout the Gospels, this was a continual theme with Jesus, 
I do nothing apart from the Father. There was this continual communication that he had with God. He had kind of like an internal walkie-talkie with his commander because he made it clear that I don't, I don't do anything apart from the Father. I do what the Father's will. And you constantly hear him in prayer, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. It, there was always this constant communication that he had. We see that he had a, a prayer life that was just him and the Heavenly Father. Matthew 14, 23 says, After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night time fell while he was there alone, and he spent time dialoguing, communicating with the commander-in-chief, his heavenly father. Friends, we see the life of Christ, different aspects of prayer, and this is an important one. He did this often whether it be to go away into the wilderness, there was times where he just stepped back from the craziness of culture and the craziness and demands and the busyness to spend time to, to allow communication and intimacy with the Father. He was fully God, yet fully man. And he needed that time with the Father. How much more do you and I need this type of prayer in our lives? He prayed in small groups. We see that in the Garden of Gethsemane where he invited his disciples that he was pouring into. And uh, this this, um, snippet, this picture that we see of him in the Garden of Gethsemane is intense prayer. Why? Because he was about to do what no one else could accomplish. He was about to go onto the cross to be crucified for the sins of the world. And there was a struggle. There was a struggle. The importance of dialoguing with the Heavenly Father helped him to resolve, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's what led him to the cross. Friends, When you and I are having difficulties, there's times of great trials. We need to have this time of prayer. Whether it be alone or maybe the three guys you pull in don't fall asleep. But what is important is that we have this communication with our Heavenly Father. Jesus, in the great high priestly prayer, John chapter 17, we saw that he had a great heart to pray for others. Jesus, as you look, this is just one particular text, but as you look throughout the Gospels, you see that Jesus prayed often for others. What a great example for you and I. In in John chapter 17, he prays for his disciples. He prays for you and I. 
He prays for those who would believe that we would be one, that we would be united as he and the Father are united. It's a powerful prayer that he prays for others. One that we as people should receive and say yes and amen. Need that prayer that, Lord, you would make us one as you are one, that the world would look in and see and see the unity and glorify the Father in heaven. He had a passion for others, to pray for others, to pray for the saints. The disciples, they took note of this. They took note of the prayer life of Jesus. And it says in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. Because what they had experienced and what they had seen was Jesus doing unbelievable miracles, raising people from the dead, healing the blind, healing the lepers, walking on water, multiplying food. Jesus was doing radical things, and the disciples saw this, and their conclusion was not Jesus, teach us to raise people from the dead. Jesus, teach me how to walk on water. Jesus, teach me how to do that. They resolved in saying, Jesus, teach us to pray. Because they saw the potency of prayer. Because Jesus was a great example of a life of prayer. And so they saw this and they experienced the product of prayer. And not only was Jesus a great example of a prayer life, but he taught them to pray. Their their plea to say, Jesus, teach us to pray, he responded. There, there are a few texts that we're going to look at in the Gospels to help us understand so that we learn as well. Not just by example, but we see as he, te- he teaches them, it's in a sense teaching us. And we find our first one in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus said, when you pray, when you pray. What does that denote? Church? You better be praying, right? If you get around to prayer, if prayer so happens in your life, if your life is not so busy and you're able to find some time to communicate with God, this is how it should look like. No. When you pray. When you pray. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all their reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. I call this the closet prayer, the prayer zone. Every Christian 
needs to have a prayer zone. A place where you know you can get away. Because not all of us have a prayer closet. None of us have a walk-in closet. Some of you maybe don't even have a closet, but that's not the point. The point is, is every Christian needs to have a prayer zone where you get away and do what Jesus is telling us to do. And that is to get away just as he showed us by example when he got away. Not only is he teaching us, this is something that he showed us that is important. It's important in the life of Jesus. <laughs> it's important in the life for you and I. It's vital because it's time of communing with him. Getting away. Prayer zone. What does that look like? It could be in your backyard jacuzzi. It could be while you're out just waiting for waves. You need to have a prayer zone. You need to know where you connect and have intimacy and great communication with Jesus. Another area in Luke chapter 11, verse 5, another opportunity to teach about prayer. He says, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. This is, this is a funny story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, waiting to borrow three loaves of bread, right? You hate the day that I show up at your house at midnight like, hey, I need some pan. It's midnight. And then the friend, a friend of mine, has just arrived to visit and I have nothing to give to him. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, hey, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family are all sleeping in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. <laughs> Isn't this a funny story? And then Jesus goes on to say, and I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus is making the point of persistent prayer. Importunity. In persistent prayer. I call this the mama's prayer. You know mama's prayer? Maybe your mama wasn't like my mama, but my mama was praying for me when I was a kid because I was a fool. There was a time span in, in junior high and high school that uh, I didn't live with my mom. And in high school, I didn't even live with my dad. I lived on my own, and it was a mess. Party lifestyle, drinking, smoking, and doing all the things that, 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 a, that a, a high schooler should not be doing. And without fail, Saturday mornings, hung over beyond belief, the phone would ring. I would answer the phone, and my mom would say, Mijo, are you okay? Mom, I'm okay. What were you doing last night? The Lord woke me up. I was praying for you. Mom, you don't want to know what I was doing last night. 
okay, well, mijo, I was praying for you. And I would hang up the phone. I kid you not. I, I, I have it very visually in my mind. I would hang up the phone. The phone would be on a stack of like three Bibles that she would bring to me. <laughs> Read these, mijo. You need these. Put the phone. And it seemed like every Sunday morning as well. Hello? Mijo. Are you okay? I'm okay. But in the back of my mind, I knew I wasn't okay. Everything was not okay. My life was in shambles, in disarray. Thanks be to God, I had a mama who prayed for me. Let this be an encouragement to you moms to keep praying for your children and dads. Amen, sister. We need some dads who will pray for their children. Jesus is talking about prayer consistently, importunity, knocking with perseverance. Because, friends, there's people that we know that are going to hell. There's family members who do not have the beautiful relationship that you have. They need that. And you need to be consistent in praying. Praying consistently. Luke 18.10, Jesus gives another example of prayer. Two men were in the temple to pray. It's like a joke, right? There's these two guys, they're in the temple. One of them was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. Then the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. Right? Who starts their prayer like that? <laughs> I don't cheat. I don't sin. I don't commit adultery. And I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give in tithes of my income. I'm amazing. <laughs> but the tax collector, he stood in a distance. And he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven. And he prayed. And he beat his chest in sorrow saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. And Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. This sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. This is the right posture that we are to have in prayer. Humble before our Father. As children coming humbly before him. What a lesson this is. You know, not all of us would would even um, put ourselves in the position of being a Pharisee. Because you're like, oh, no, you know, I'm, I am. But yet, sometimes our attitude comes in that way. Not humble. Not real. Not transparent. This is the right posture. One of great humility. So prayer is not just something that we believe but it's something that we're to obey. Jesus 
was a great example to us. But as he taught these things, he taught them so that we would believe them. Otherwise, why would he teach us about prayer in this manner if it wasn't meant for us to believe and receive and obey? That wouldn't make any sense. Otherwise, Jesus was just telling funny stories. That's not what Jesus does. He was telling stories to help us to grasp key principles to our lives, to be fruitful. He taught these principles so that we stay connected to our Heavenly Father. See, as we look back at the text in Ephesians 6, 18, Paul is now about to give a great, in my opinion, command. In context to spiritual warfare, he says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watchful with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. In summary, this is what Jesus lived. He was the example of this. And he taught this. This is something that we need to believe and is something that we need to obey. So when Paul says, pray without ceasing, pray always, friends, that's not a suggestion. That is something we're to be obedient in. But what does that mean? He says it in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray continuously. Friends, when Paul says pray always, let's please note that, because what, what does that mean? Does that mean like you're walking down Lynn and just praying out loud? Does that mean like right now you guys are praying and I'm praying out loud? No, it couldn't mean that. But I think just as we saw Jesus having an internal dialogue with his heavenly father, I think we are called into that as well. Because listen, we all do this. We all have intercommunication, dialogues in your head. Many of you talk to different people in your head, but most of us have conversations in our head. Am I right? Like you're talking to yourself. I know I'm not alone in this. We all have these dialogues in our head. I think the idea here is that you are inviting Jesus into the dialogue. So that throughout your day, you're communing, you're having conversations with him. Why wouldn't you? Most of you are perhaps doing this already. And it shows to be so fruitful because in everything you're doing, you're inviting him in. You're on your way to robotize for some candy. And you're having an inner dialogue and saying, Jesus, thank you for candy. You made it. And you know what I like. Let's go get some together. That may seem strange, but how strange is it that we have conversations in our head? It's happening already. You might as well invite him in. Because this is what I've found. 
as people, we often have too much dialogue in our head. You get consumed and you get confused. Philippians 4, 6, Jesus says, do, be not, do not be anxious for anything. But in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We get anxious, fearful, condemned, all because of intercommunication with yourself. We're either building ourselves up like the Pharisee or we're tearing ourselves down. The gospel does not allow you, as a Christian, it does not allow your head to get too fat or hang too low. It allows you to have a steady walk as you commune with him in all that you do. Whether it be at the gas station, at work, or at school, inner communication with Christ is healthy and right. Jesus was a great example of that. So that throughout your day, you're able to resolve, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. It's all happening in your head. Friends, be free to have that dialogue with him. Practice that this week. It's not a performance issue. It's all about relationships. It's a relational issue. He wants to be a part of your life. Even in the mundane things like going to get candy or getting gas or on your way to work. That dialogue that you have, inviting him, is going to allow for a greater degree of fruitfulness and effectiveness. Can I get an amen? Amen. See, it's like that... Inner walkie-talkie. Staying in constant communication with your commander-in-chief. Inner walkie-talkie. What is walkie-talkie? Isn't it a funny word? Walkie-talkie. You walkie and you talkie. That's what you got to be doing with Jesus. Walkie-talkie with him. It's a funny word. I mean, that's a side note, right? A military. Okay, what should we call it? Walkie-talkie. Okay, really good. One of our biggest obstacles to frequent, consistent walkie-talkie with Jesus is our failure to acknowledge our deep need for him. Our need of dependence upon him. Because it seems, and it makes us seem weak. And our pride wells up. It's like, I don't need Jesus to go get candy. I don't need him to go get gas. And I don't need him on my way. You would never verbalize that, but your pride does. It gets in the way. No sense of weakness, helplessness, and dependence. In, 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 in the context of spiritual warfare, you're ignorant. And so you're not having the dialogue Because you're self-sufficient. Friends, that's not who Christ has called us to be. 
Remember, God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. It's the humble. It's the humble that he will lift up. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Having an awareness of the warfare that we're in should bring us to our knees. Not, okay, I got this. No. Stay in continual communication, walkie-talkie with the commander-in-chief. Next we see, not only are we to pray without ceasing or pray always, but it says this, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. This again is verse 18. We're breaking down verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. The word prayer is a general term denoting a broad category of different types of prayer. Because there's many different types of prayer. And Paul is talking about all of them. He's saying we're to pray always with all types of prayer. He's reminding us that prayer is not just bringing a laundry list to Jesus. Biblical prayer is filled with praise, adoration, confession, repentance, thanksgiving, worship, Silence, supplication, intercession, petition, that whole combination. Eyes closed, eyes open, on your knees, on your face, running, jogging, all types of prayer. He's saying pray always with all types of prayer. And he says do so in the spirit. What does that mean? The phrase in the spirit expresses the means uh, and the need for the spirit to help us. I like it. It has that same meaning in Jude 20 um, where it's kind of the same truth. It says this, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, pray always, pray in the Holy Spirit. To pray in the Holy Spirit is to pray with the help, motivation, and guidance and the empowering of the Spirit. And this is vital. This is really, really important for us to understand because there's sometimes where we don't even know how to pray. The Spirit is willing to intercede for us and to help us. It's a beautiful thing that Jesus said. It is to your advantage that I go that the Spirit might come as a helper to help you. He not only wants to help you in your walk, but he wants to help you in your talk. And there's an important connection between the last two pieces of armor. The sword of the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. We can't miss this connection. It's wielding the sword of the Spirit in prayer. Friends, when you don't know how to pray or you don't know what to pray, pray the Word of God because that's praying the Spirit of God. It's the will of God. Britt touched on this a little bit last week. How potent those prayers can be when we're praying the Word of God. 
We become familiar with the word of God because these two components are so key to who we are as Christians because it connects us so much with our Savior. The word of God helps us to be familiar with Christ because he is the word of God and in dialogue with him. So this connection is very important for us to recognize that they work together. And oftentimes, when you don't know what to pray, you turn to the word of God and pray. In the spirit, the word of God. Paul goes on to not just pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, but being watchful with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. I like the translation in the New Living Translation. It says, stay alert and be present in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Friends, this is something that we're to obey in. Praying for others. We see that modeled in the uh, John 17 when Jesus prayed for the saints. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for you and I. It was something that Jesus often did, was praying for others. Why wouldn't we see that as something that's important in our life? Because, friends, let me tell you this, as a side note. When we're praying for others, it gets your eyes off yourself. When your eyes are on yourself, you tend to have that internal dialogue. And it's dangerous because it leads to anxiety. It leads to depression. Instead, we're to be a people who are praying for one another. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 18, then Jesus said to his disciples a parable to show them that they're to always pray and not give up. This generally, this type of prayer, this other-centered prayer, is generally corporate prayer. We see it modeled in the book of Acts. Acts 1.14 says, They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brother of Jesus. Even in their prayer meetings, there was a lack of men. But as God's people, we've all been called to pray in this manner. Listen. (laughs) This could seem like a commercial for our prayer meetings. In general, when praying for others, that's what is needed in the body of believers. As we see it, not only in Acts chapter 1, but we see it in 3 and verse, in chapter 4. We see it in the early church that they got together and they were one accord in prayer. Prayer unites us together. Prayer gives us a sense of corporate orders from our commander in chief. 
When we get together on Tuesday mornings at 7 a.m., we're praying for the nations together. And God is moving us together. The Spirit is directing. And when we're able to make those prayer meetings, we get swept up in it. I understand that not everybody can go to a prayer meeting. Maybe you can't make Tuesday morning 7 a.m. Maybe you can't make the Sunday uh, 7.45 a.m. prayer. But friends, you need to find a prayer meeting that you can go to and exercise this sweet, wonderful uh, privilege of praying for others. The excuse is often what? I got no time. I can't fit prayer meeting because I got no time. I, me, mine, me, no, can't. Really? Why not? Why not engage in this wonderful privilege of prayer? It'll do you good because it'll get your eyes off of yourself. And it'll get it onto others. And it'll break your heart for others. For those who are being persecuted. For those who are being uh, exposed and, and used. Human trafficking here in the tri-counties. When we get our eyes off ourselves, we get with the mission of God. God's got your back. You don't need to be consumed with yourself. It leads to a mess. I know it, and you deep down inside know it as well. When you're self-consumed, you're no longer useful for the kingdom Friends, as we come to a close, there's this last two verses that we got to talk about. They're they're just amazing. Verse 19 says this. Paul, he says, pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysteries and his plan and the good news for the Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching the message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. This this really rocks me. Here's a guy who's talking about the spiritual armor and the warfare that's going on and the importance of praying always and and making intercession in the spirit. And then he says, and by the way, hey, pray for me too. This speaks so much of the humility and the utter importance and need for prayer. I would say it like this. If Jesus needs prayer, if Paul needs prayer, friend, you need prayer. Don't be coming to me saying, hey, I'm good. I don't need prayer. Really? You don't need prayer? Because I need prayer. I need prayer to help understand why you don't need prayer. <laughs> in, the con- in, the, in this setting, friends, this corporate setting, Every week, God is speaking to us. 
There's an exhortation from the word of God and a time to respond to it. And it breaks my heart that I sense that there's so many Sundays where people aren't responding to it in a realness of, like, there's a plea for prayer and there's a prayer team here and there's a prayer team over there. And, like, you go to people like, hey, can I pray for you? No, I'm good. Wait, really? No, we're not good. We, we need. Maybe you don't need, but there's someone that you know that needs. See, if Paul is, is willing to say, and, and get this, not only is he saying, pray for me, but the man's in jail. If you and I were in that situation, we'd like, pray that, get out of jail. He wasn't praying to get out of jail. He was praying that he would have more boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That just shows so much of where we, I believe, as God's people, not in a condemning way, but in an encouraging way, we need to be real and right with each other and be willing to be transparent with one another because as Jesus said, my house should be a house of prayer. This place that we gather in should be a safe place where we're able to go to one another for prayer. Can I get an amen? amen. Friends, we need it. <laughs> Listen, the prayer team, as you see them posted, none of them are without need of prayer. Just because they're the prayer team, it doesn't mean they're sinless people. They're people trying to sin less, but they're not sinless. And they're just willing to pray for you. There's nothing more that they have than that you don't have. All they have is Jesus Christ. All you have is Jesus Christ. And we're in need more of him in dialogue with him. And so why wouldn't we spend more time to allow this place to be a safe place for prayer, for God's people to be real with one another? Because there's marriages in this room that are struggling. There's people in this room that are struggling with many different burdens. There's hearts that are here that are broken. The first service, I said, hey, maybe you need to pray to pray. I love that there was a guy who just said, hey, pray for me for prayer. Because I don't pray. So of course I'm going to pray that he prays. Listen, there's a lot of books out there on prayer. That's great. Isn't it just better to pray? Like if I wrote a book about prayer, it would be one page just pray. Make millions. I should write that book. See, friends. As God's people, not only are we to believe in the power of prayer, but we're to be obedient in prayer. Praying for one another. Loving one another. That's a wonderful way of loving one another, is praying for one another. Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't want to go and pray, the prayer team. Maybe you just pray where you are. Either way, friends, we need to be praying. It was modeled by Christ. It was taught by Christ, and we're exhorted today to be a people who are willing to pray more, pray for each other, love one another in that manner. Listen, I understand that there's many guys, I say that, throwing all the guys under the bus. 
Most guys are like, I don't go to prayer meetings or I don't pray because I don't pray like you pray. Like people, I just don't pray. Okay, so, but you have lips. And you, you can talk. So what's stopping you from praying? Maybe you don't feel like you have the right words. Just go to the word of God. Pray the word of God. Friend, I don't, I, I'm going to get off soon. But I, this point has to be made. Remember, Satan wants to isolate you and sever the means of communication. And so that inner dialogue that you're having right now saying, well, yeah, but I don't, I don't pray out loud. I don't mind praying, praying here, but I can't pray out loud. I don't pray like other prayers. I don't pray like that pastor. That guy's got the gift of prayer. Yeah, some people have the gift of prayer. But guess what, friends? If all you can muster up is, oh, God, I want that prayer in my prayer meeting. Because it speaks to me that, hey, touch where that guy's at. And you know what? Sometimes I'm there. If that's all you can muster out, then let it be. But friends, don't let it keep you from prayer. So many people don't pray because they don't pray. But if you want to pray and you want to pray more, then just pray. That's how you get better at prayer. It sounds funny, but it's so real. Most guys, don't, like, like I said, I kind of alluded like, okay, uh, at the cross, it was all ladies and maybe one guy. It was like the, the, the women have the ability, I don't want to stereotype, but to talk, right? And then, so to dialogue with God is like easy. But for guys, why is it so hard? Men, it should not be. You need to learn to talk to your wife and you need to learn to talk to God. And the best way to do it is just by doing it. So we're going to close this service with asking the worship team to come forward and we're now going to engage in communication both with God and with each other and allow this place to be a house of prayer. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for reminding us of the great privilege of prayer. Oh, Lord. We need you to come. Holy Spirit, help us, lead us, and guide us in this time. That we would not negate or neglect this wonderful privilege of prayer. That you would help us to be real. Help us to connect, Lord, the many marriages, the many uh, difficulties and the broken hearts. Lord, we want to engage with you in regards to these issues. So we just ask that you would move us and lead us and guide us in this time. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We ask these things in confidence. In your name we pray. Amen.